Hi, I'm Ken Boa, and I'm with Reflections Ministries. I've been involved with Reflections Ministries since 1995, and we are loving the concept of conveying this new material in another way. And our part of our job here, I'll be uh, introducing my associate, Stuart McAllister, is to become at this stage in our life journeys, sages who can convey and communicate that information to other people, to another generation. And the a metaphor we were talking about uh, in, in earlier times, Stuart, is the idea of he must increase and we must decrease. And as we see our diminishment and the brevity of the earthbound sojourn, part of our mission seems to me is to convey that to other people. What are your thoughts about that? And we'll first introduce yourself. No, thank you, yes. So I'm Stuart McAllister, and uh, I'm also with Reflections Ministries. Uh, Ken and I have known each other for many years. And our desire, I think, uh, in Christian ministry is to help expound on the Christian vision of life talk about the experience of life that we've had, both as older men now in the faith, fathers with children, um, experience in ministry, lots of good and bad, and talk about Christianity as it applies today mm -hmm. in the postmodern context. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So I think we would love to do this as, as veterans of the faith, not experts by any means, That's right. but people who have got a lot of scars um, and a lot of experience, good and bad, as I've said. And really, Ken, I think, you know, just talking together, my hope with this is that we can reflect on life and reflect on the gospel and reflect on its application. Yeah. So that's why I'd love to see this unfold. Reflecting together, it's going to, because we have a way of amplifying each other. And I think that's one of the great gifts that we've been granted is that God is the invisible master of ceremonies who put you and me together many years ago. Mm -hmm. And now in the last two years, it's really become a very rich and uh, powerful relationship. And I think in part, it's because we bring the best out of each other. We, are, we might bring out the worst in each other too sometimes, but <laughs> occasionally. Whole, occasionally yeah. now, one of the things I think, Ken, for me, it, it, when we've been traveling in the car together and we were talking about ideas, and we're reflecting on a book or the Christian life or the catastrophes that we've seen in failures in Christian leadership or life. Um, one of the things I thought was, how can you finish well? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I think is what, what qualifies us to walk with God. Um, and when I listen to your story, and I've met many of the friends and people you as we've traveled the country and heard internationally, <clears throat> is I was, I was intrigued by how can we help younger men and women talk to someone like you or people who still are walking with God and they're not pretending to be perfect. You know that there's there's uh, people that have been hurt or misunderstood, and yet there's all these successes too. How did you manage to keep walking with God? Why are you still excited about Christ? Why do you still believe in mission? Why are you still excited about, well, in your case, everything? Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah. literally, what keeps you alive in Christ, and how did you manage yes. I think that's some of the things I'd love I to think do. That's a big part of it. As you know, in uh, my book, Conform to His Image, I did a study of the f seven qualities of men and women who in Scripture and also throughout the history of the church managed to end their race with excellence. And not perfection, no one, has, no, no one attains that, but a, a, a continual movement toward a quality of life that requires an explanation. That's what I love to see and want to convey. But those are people who are also hard wounded and scarred by the issues of life, but they've learned from those mistakes. And the key is not to live the same year 40 years in a row, mm -hmm. but to actually learn from each year so that you, you develop and go further rather than to become an old fool. But Ken, you, you know, and I know uh, you've talked about, because you're, you're, you're married and, and uh, have a long, a long history, a long marriage, as do I. Um, and part of this, we're talking about looking to the end of our life. We see the end is closer now than obviously the beginning. 
and trying to process life wisely about communicating realistically about life, love, family, death, uh, resurrection, the Christian hope and the centrality of Christ in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a conversation. I feel that, that from what I've seen and the failures I see is a kind of a mechanistic approach to the Christian life where it's about concepts and ideas, mm-hmm. but it doesn't existentially uh, meet people where they're at. So people say, now I've heard this teaching, I hear this, but I don't know how to actually <coughs> live that or That's experience right. that. Somehow, God, in, in your journey particularly, I think you've been very animated to constantly look at teasing this out, how to equip people, how to get these things more accessible. Where does that come from? In part, actually, it was summarized in Ephesians, Rome, sorry, Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, the seven letters to the churches, and the first one, the Ephesians, is a fascinating one because it tells them about your, they were doctrinally accurate. And they hand, rightly handled the word of truth. And they loved actual good practice as well. So they were practitioners. But yet I have this against you that you've lost your first love. So what does that mean? They lost the heart. The, they have the head and the hands. The, 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 so that the, when we've, we've talked about, and we'll do a whole special session on the five spheres of excellence, but they have the sphere, perhaps even of theoretical and, and, uh, and practical excellence, you mm-hmm. see. So you have that, those two components there, theoretical and then um, functional excellence. Right. But what, they da- what, I f- what I, I'm terrified is losing the heart. And losing the interior life, losing so that's, that that's life. A, that's a key to you. Yeah, I'm terrified of that. Right. And, yeah. and, and I mean, I'm, I want to ask you why, but I would say that the same thing, both of us, I think one of the things that brought us together many years ago when we were talking about this is that shared idea that loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength is the passion. But the question is, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in, in raising a family and, and with kids, the challenge was the, the cultural challenges. Um, how many, what movies can your kids watch? What music should we be listening to? How do we avoid the seductions of culture? Because we want to be in the world, mm-hmm. not of it, but for mm-hmm. it. And yet, um, and, and be authentic though. So we're trying to be creational mm-hmm. in terms of this is God's world. So I think we, that's, a, that, that's a part of this in reflections as we are reflecting as an organization. We want to get that the interior life but rooted to the, the the world as God has made it and God as he is in space and time today, that's, that's I mean, the eternal in time. Yes. How do we keep all that together? It's all-encompassing, the historical and the revelatory in all facets of the life itself. And thus, when I mentioned those seven f- characteristics, the first and foremost is intimacy with Jesus. Mm. And I've argued as well that it'd be far, far better to love Jesus than to avoid sin. And so people, the gospel of sin management, as Dallas Willard describes it, yeah. this is notion of, of the avoidance of those things that you don't want. No, pursue what you do love. And so the simplicity of an aspiration and an ambition, a desire to be like him. Well, that clarifies, contextualizes, and empowers a bigger vision of life, whereby the, lo- the thinking and the doing will follow from the interior. Talk to me a little bit. Go back, back up a little bit to that, the fear aspect you said that makes you mm-hmm. afraid what, what, what is that? A holy fear, and I've been telling people of yeah. late more and more, I find that this is the case, that what you love the most reveals what you fear the most. But I often, I often turn it the other way around. What you fear the most 
reveals what you love the most. Mm. So if I fear more about my children, my grandchildren, and their well-being more than I fear the loss of the divine statement, well done, then something's wrong. You see, I'm pursuing, I'm treasuring the creation over the creator. And that's, I'm terrified of that because a holy terror is the fear of God. Mm. And so the fear of God and the love of God are two sides of that same coin because they reveal each other. So, and, and, and again, bringing in some our biographical journey here. So let's, you, you came to faith um, also as a mature, as an adult. You came to faith not as a kind of, you were very in, ensconced Indeed. in a particular vision of life, as was I. As were you. Really. Yes. Um, but we're that, two reprobates. <laughs> we're two reprobates seeking life. Yeah. But that was a real conversion, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a real born again. It was a powerful. So, yeah. I mean, maybe many people who know Reflections know that, but maybe some people here for the first time haven't. Ken, what, what, tell just a little bit about what that happened, that, you know, where you were coming from. Yeah. And but, why the, this, this vision of God is so real to you. Yes. Uh, actually, before that experience of my true conversion occurred, which was about a month after graduating from Case Institute of Technology, but before that, I had a powerful thing that I never knew what to call it until later on, I, after becoming a believer, I read Rudolf Otto's The Idea of the Holy. Oh, yeah. And there he spoke about the Mysterium Tremendum, mm -hmm. which by which you're terrified of him, but yet et fascinans, he had et mm -hmm. fascinans, and you're drawn to him. I had that awful and powerful experience beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and it was not something I looked for. It was yeah. something that God, who stoops to conquer, uh, gave me. And there's circumstances underlying that. The problem I have with my testimony is I kept, if I describe how it really happened, yeah. it almost sounds like I'm promoting the psychedelics. I know, you I see, know, that's yeah. a difficult thing for no, me. No, but I think existentially for people to understand, and I mean, the same when I try, when, when people ask me my testimony, yeah. I think it's to know for people to understand that you know you were in a world you weren't endorsing it but you were lived in this world of the psychedelics drugs right. mm -hmm. mysticism the hippie generation yeah. but then Christ met you there there that's why i say he stoops to conquer pulled, yeah he pulls, pulls you, you up from that. yes yeah. he'll meet you even at that point if that if he if that's what it takes mm -hmm. he'll do this and get, give you grant you an experience that I would later describe than others I found that others described as a mystical experience of both terror I'll never forget it though a holy terror mm. and an awe of the presence of the transcendent God at the same time I was drawn inexorably to this holy terror so that the fascinants and I remember the to and it but lasted I don't know how isn't long. that a big part of it then the journey can that we are, we would like to talk about, and because the reality of that is is palpable in your experience, in your history, and in our desire to communicate, what is God like? How do we live, and how did you grow? I mean, you became a scholar. You became a very, um, I mean, you've earned all kinds of degrees and honors in terms of of study and rigor on of scripture and in science, but yet you apply that with a very um, tangible touch of life both the mysterious the the, the floral bugs all the things <laughs> that fascinate yeah. you movies mm -hmm. you know from hitchcock to yeah. to whatever tarkovsky yeah to, <laughs> there you go um but you, you, you life is vibrant it's alive but it's alive because of Christ. Yes. He, not he's, you're not a pantheist. You're right. not a, no. We're not trying to be no. you know let's wake up and smell the roses and yeah. be kind of christian hippies yeah um 
I had those experiences. I, R.C. Zahner, in his book on mysticism, it's a classic text, describes three forms of mysticism, and one is nature mysticism, the other one's a kind of a pantheism, and the third one is Christian mysticism. Ooh. Oddly enough, I experienced all three, and realized, though, that it is, in fact, personal. And this is the thing that people today are terrified of. There's a personal encounter with a holy one. And that's what C.S. Lewis wanted to avoid, because if he's personal, you're accountable. And therein lies your problem there. You want him to be you want to have a meaning, a nexus, a transcendent understanding, but you don't want them to be personal. You just want to knock on the door, but there's no one home when you think about the New Age movement. Yeah, we're, we're cool with a God, a kind of a religious entity out there, but but with someone who has a face, a voice, and a will. Who can and, say, yeah. where are you? Yeah. Where and are you hiding from me? Be done, yes. But thine be done, That's which right. puts us into conflict. Well, you know, I think our hope as we begin in this this journey with with reflections adding into what we already do is obviously there's this massive resources that you have worked on for most of your life and um, there are other voices like glenn sunshine and some mm -hmm. of these younger voices sure. that we are, we're wanting to bring into platform but we want to the same thing what does it really mean jesus is lord today <clears throat> yes so why jesus and not the alternatives right, right. why jesus and what does that mean in my life and yeah. we i think we talked about being uh, following him, being faithful, and then being fruitful. Yes, that's right. And is that really, that's really a part that I think reflections as a ministry and our, our personal vision is to older, what would you call us, explorers? Yes, old explorers. This is from T.S. Uh, old No, it's T.S. Eliot. Uh, it's the end of the uh, four four quartets, I think. But he, old men ought to be explorers. We must be still and still moving into a, a further union, a deeper communion, into another intensity. So, in other words, you stop when you stop learning. I discovered you stop growing, you start dying. So I want to have what we've talked about before is the second naivete, the first one being their childish. And I lost that when I was about 12, most people around that. But most adults never cultivate the second, which is the childlike wonder and all. So for me, if I begin to see I'm immersed in mystery and wonder, and that I begin to realize I don't know anything, but the one, I know the one who does. Mm -hmm. And then I can trust him and there's a beauty in that understanding because I'll never understand him, but I can learn to trust him. And so to me, the one who created in the wellspring of beauty, all beauty, all things that are good and all things that are true, that's a desirable thing. And that is the where, I, where I, when we've talked about this before, long, we have to long for more right. than the world will long for. But to, to your point about the other idea of fecundity, fruitfulness, faithfulness, mm -hmm. a satisfying life, that's what I'm looking for for me. And, 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 and in that process, I want others to share it. So when we're, I think what I would like to, as we go on, as we look at maybe some movies, some books, yep. obviously scripture, mm -hmm. and, and think of it, I mean, we're talking about what does it mean to live well before God, to truly live in, in solely in his presence under his authority yeah. for his glory, mm -hmm. Gorandeo, um, but to also love well? How do we love not only God, but others, creation and mm -hmm. so forth, and learning well? Because yeah. what are the things, today it seems an awful lot of fear being used. I mean, our, our, our culture is filled with panic, it's filled with aggression, filled with hostility and polarization, and and. Many Christians are brought into the same thing, where be you know, be afraid of this, be afraid of this, you know, the, the Illuminati or whatever. It is. Whatever it is, yeah, Con um, conspiratorial theory. Yeah. So how do we, how do we be intensely realistic, but not fearful in the wrong sense, so that we're belligerent, we are negative, we're poisoned in our souls, and so the the whole face of Christ, in a sense, 
is spoiled by this angry, aggressive. That's right. You know, uh, and to me, they're operating out of a deficiency model, a mindset that. Christ isn't enough. He's not Christus Victor. So what we have to see him is, in my thinking, is the full sufficiency and preeminence of Christ. He's the, the Pantocrator, as the domes would have him in early churches. He was the ruler of all things. <clears throat> bigger my vision of Christ, the more I can then see he's working all things together. And God raises up and deposes kings as the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Suddenly I realized now I have a nexus of, of wisdom, of truth, of goodness and beauty and power that is greater as he is in you than he was in the world, then I don't have to be fearful, but I can actually fix my eyes on Jesus. And that, I think, is what you're, you're seeing as well. Yeah. Well, I think then, basically, I would suggest as we're going forward with these, these talks together, that we can help um, ask some of our listeners, you know, what, what the questions that, that you know, are bothering them, but also let's keep a very practical eyes on what does the vision of embodied Christianity look like? Mm -hmm. How does that happen by the Spirit? Yes. How do we follow the Scriptures? Yes. How do we live our mission? Incarnational. Yeah. It's incarnational and, and, living. And yeah. I think that's, from what I see, from what you've been writing over the years for the tools that you've created and what we want to do, this is really the passion to help individuals become better disciples, for disciples to be better engage with their churches and for churches to be more embodied in their community yes, yes. Uh, and to find ways to see that truly manifest the yeah. gospel by the same token in your own life journey moving from where you were to where you now are but all the stories that god's taken you through the four imprisonments you've gone through and all the mission and endeavor and more you're the most traveled person i've ever met i believe 40 times in peru Am I right? Yeah, yeah, forty times, yeah. forty times in India. Well, probably in, India, probably hundreds. And, <laughs> really, hundreds, and then in in, in uh, Poland, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah. So God has given you this rich array of opportunities too. What I'm saying here, Stuart, is that you and I are have been, I think, called together for such a time as this to have a synergistic uh, such uh, union, such that the diversity of our journeys, and yet there is an integrity and a unity as well. All your experiences things of which I know nothing. And I have all of mine, but then there's a combination where the totals are greater than some of the parts. And I think that's what we're trying to do as a dialogue. I think so. Well, yeah. I think going forward, it will be fun to reflect together. And I think uh, you can look at our website also and find us uh, at reflections.org. And uh, it'll be a great fun, Ken, mm -hmm. talking with you, talking about Jesus talking about life a big a great joy and a great journey and a great ride because we know where we're going amen